Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards, and today, I hope you'll bear with me a little bit. So I'm about a day behind where I usually do this. I usually try to record on a Tuesday night, but as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I live in the middle of nowhere, and we don't have very good cell phone, or not cell phone, we don't have very good internet options out there. I live right at the base of a mountain range in kind of a sparsely settled area, and everybody in my neck of the woods just struggles for it's not like living in a first world country things that we take for granted and even not everybody in my valley you know just go into the actual town which is a really small town but even there in town they have great internet but we thought it'd be fun to push out a little farther and it has been a blast to live out a little farther and I've lived in the life that I've always wanted and and I don't have any complaints but the internet out there the situation is not ideal so we just kinda use our cell phone data and we don't get it doesn't stream well enough to to upload episodes so I record I try to record at home on Tuesday night and when I um, come into town the next day and get better gets get a better internet situation then I just upload while I'm doing other things and, and upload the episode so I'm about a day behind, and I just finished parent-teacher conferences, and I'm ready to ready to talk about some Scottish clans. And in fact, one of the reason I ask you to bear with me is one, so I'm in a different location, and the the sound in here I think kind of echoes a little bit. And the other reason is because of the topic that I want to talk about. So I mentioned that I'd like to start doing a lot of these cl- these clan clusters, these these kindred groups who. There's a lot of different, there's different significant branches of them, and especially these kindreds or these clans where the branches form clans in their own right. And, you know, even if they, even if they acknowledge a superior head of the kindred above them, they are kind of autonomous. They're, 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 they're a clan. They're, a, they're not just some a couple of relatives that settled in this other spot. They're an actual clan in their own right. So um, that, that's what the, the Clan Clusters series is going to be about. And so today, as you notice in the title when you chose to select and play this episode, we're going to be talking about the Stuarts. And the Stuarts, I think for a long time, I've had them kind of tangled up in my head. And so I did, I've been doing a little reading on this. And so this is the reason why I want you to bear with me is because I don't, I don't feel like I, I, well, for one thing, I'm not as comfortable with my sources as I am in some of the other episodes. So I'll just tell you right off, I've used the Wikipedia articles, but I've also tried to, I don't have a lot of, of academic material on the Stuarts, even though I'm sure that it's out there, but I, I've done some searches on Scholar, on Google Scholar, which I have in the times past been able to come up with some stuff there. I've mentioned I also come up with some of my academic sources from academia.edu. That's They've got some good material on there, and I've got some of my more academic level stuff from that site. And I went to the Clan Stewart Society of in America. Is that their exact title? Clan Stewart Society in America. And so they've, they have a website, and they have information on the different branches of the Stuarts. It's not a ton of information. It doesn't, it's not written even with the intent of being academic. So it's just to get us familiar with 
the different branches of the Stuart clan. And so rather than just talk about the Stuart monarchs all the time, and, and, I'm, and I'm also not trying to, so I'm not trying to talk about just the Stuart monarchy. I'm not trying to give you an in-depth history of the Stuarts as a whole, or even an in-depth history of the different branches. My goal with these clan clusters episodes is to, to help you kind of see how they fit all together. Because you, they can kind of get tangled up like they've been in my head for a while. And so who are the Stuarts of... Why, why, do the Stuart, why do some Stuarts spell their names differently? What's going on there? And so you've... Like, are the Stuarts Highlanders or are they Lowlanders? And are they... Who are the Albany Stuarts? And anyway, I've got all these things floating around in my head. So the goal today is to help you understand how these different branches of the Stuart clan all fit together as a whole. And if I can help you get this more clear in your mind in some way, then I'll consider it a, uh, this episode a success. So to start off with, let's talk about the origin of the Stuarts. I've already mentioned a little bit about this topic in some of my other episodes where we talk about clan origins. So we have, and there's a couple of different places in the history of the, of the episodes in this podcast where you can find those those topics discussed on the origins of the Stuarts. I can think of a couple right off the top of my head. So if you go back in the in the previous episodes and you find out where I've been talking about the ethnic origin, like the the at the ground level, where do the inhabitants of Scotland who have been there a long time, where do they come from? And in, in those episodes, we do discuss the Angles of Northumbria in the southeast, and, and even the Britons that were there in the kingdom of Godolden before that. And we talk about the Britons of Clyde Rock, or the Strathclyde Britons, later on in, in the western, southwestern Scotland, and the Galgales, the, 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 where we get Galloway from. Down also, which they come in and establish themselves as a Gaelic-speaking, but of mixed Scandinavian Gaelic heritage there in the south in what's now Galloway and then we talk about the Dalriada Scots and we talk about the Picts and we talk about the 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 Norse the, the Scandinavian the Vikings that came in and the different clans are descended from them and then we also talk about the Normans and, and in those Normans I know I've mentioned the Stuarts and then I w- have another episode if you look back uh, far enough. Maybe I can actually give you so the the what I just described to you. Those episodes are found in episode three, four, five, three, four, and five. Are we talk about those those foundation um, ethnic groups, and then we also have episode fifteen, which is ori- origins of today's clans. Because if you're going back clear to the seven or eight hundreds, uh, most of the time that's the names of those kindreds are not what carry through to today and that you would mention it that you'd notice in your community so episode 15 it deals with more of the origins of okay the clans that we un- ha- that we recognize today as clans where do they come from and i think i even got into the stuarts a little bit in that episode too and then i actually did an episode specifically about the stuarts of appin and a conflict that they had with several several of the kindreds of the area that were led by the McDougals who are a little bit put off that they are no longer the Lords of Lorne and they're in a reduced territory and they're holding it against the Stuarts who acquired that territory by 
marriage, and we'll go into more of that in, in a few minutes. So those, I've, I've actually mentioned the stewards quite a bit, but never in the way that I'm going to talk about them right now. And, well, let's just, let's, we'll just push into this. As you can tell, this is not a scripted podcast. It's just kind of stream of conscience. So the stewards, they start off as they, their origins come from Brittany in what is today France. And I actually looked into this a little bit. So I was thinking, so are they Breton? Like, were they Breton speaking? Were they Brit, like, actual the Celtic inhabitants, the natives of Brittany? Well, I, the, at the time period that they would have left Brittany to come into England, is where they first came into, that they either, I've heard, I've read different things on this. They've either come in with William the Conqueror, or they were invited in by a subsequent Norman ruler. I'm not sure which which is the true story, and it's really hard to tell. But just so you know, there's different origin theories out there. But all of them include, the, the common thread that they they all have is that the Stuarts come from Dole, D-O-L, in Brittany. Now that is, if so if you're looking at a, a picture, a map of Brittany, that comes in the very northeast of what's considered Brittany. And so I thought, well, were they Breton speaking? Were these people Celts just from a different part of the Celtic-speaking world. And at the time period, so whether it was the late, the mid to late 10 hundreds, or whether it was in the 11 hundreds, whichever one it was, at the time period the Stuarts would have come out of Brittany and into England, it doesn't look like that part of Brittany was a heavy Breton-speaking area. Now, that doesn't mean that they, they weren't. Um, Breton speaking. I'm just saying that it's it doesn't look as likely as for what I I have studied on it. And and I'm going to admit I have not taken this into the weeds. I have not got way deep into this. I just looked a couple things up on some quick internet searches, and that's what it looks like. Is that by the time they come over, the the Breton speaking line has shifted farther west. That's all I'm saying. They might have been Bretons. They may have been Normanized Bretons. Um, or they may have not been ever Bretons. I don't know. There's, so there's a few different options about their origins. Okay, so they come into, and I'm not going to try to give you every name and every date and every place that they were ever in. I'm just going to say that they came into England, and they're England in England for a little bit, and then Walter Fitzallen is made the high steward. He moves up into Scotland, and this may have been under David I's reign. He becomes the high steward of Scotland. Okay, and that was a title, and that was a specific function within the court of Scotland. It was very prestigious. It was a big deal. And so this line under Walter Fitzallen, they they hold this position hereditarily. All right, so after Walter Fitzallen, and I told you I wasn't going to mention every name, but I'm, I'll mention a few here. So you've got Alan Fitzwalter, and then you have the first of this line that adopts the name Stuart, or, or a, a, you know, a, a derivation of the word Stuart, and that's Walter Stuart. Okay, then you have his son, Alexander Stuart. Now, and, well, I'll just keep on going until I get to a king, a Stuart king. So you have... Walter is the first one that adopts a Stuart as a last name, then Alexander Stuart, then James Stuart, then Walter Stuart, who married Marjorie Bruce, Robert the Bruce's daughter, 
and it's his son that becomes Robert II, King of Scotland. Even that, that's a very advantageous marriage right there. And if I recall correctly, the Douglases were connected into this pretty closely. I think James Douglas, the Black Douglas, I believe his mother was a Stuart. And I'm not just like a distant relative here, like a sister to one of these. And I'm not looking at that specific piece of information. I covered it when I was studying this. I didn't write it down, so that's my fault. I'm sorry. But just know that that the James Douglas, the same, the same. So if, if you're most of your exposure to Scottish history is movies, so you're a big Outlander fan or you're, you're all about the Outlaw King. Okay. So this is who I'm talking about. The one that's in the Outlaw King, very close friend of Robert, the Bruce, James Douglas, the black Douglas, every inch of him, a warrior. His mother was a Stuart. Okay. So anyway, that's how we get to Robert the second who is the first Stuart King of Scotland. And so all along the way, we've had branches coming off of this line. Some of these branches of the Stuart clan come out of younger sons of the royal branch who were not in line to inherit the throne. And so it comes from there. Others, other branches of the Stuart clan branch off before the Stuarts become royalty. So... The let me let's let's start talking a little bit about the different branches here. I want to mention that the the there was so once the Stuarts get into power and they have the throne of Scotland, nepotism, nepotism, nepotism all day long. But I, and I'm going to say that, and we usually say that with it like it's a foul taste in our mouth because a lot of us are coming from countries. I don't know everywhere where people are listening to this. I do have, I can go on Podbean and, and check out the countries where most of it. And I'm, and I can say for most of us that are listening, that are going along with this, we have our concept of fair. And we say that term nepotism with a, uh, a like, like it is a foul taste in our mouth. Now, let me just make a note in history in general. One of the, one of the wisest pieces of counsel that I received from one of my college professors, and I'll even say his name is Dan McInerney at Utah State University <clears throat> when I was working on my bachelor's. And he said, you can never look back into history and study history and these individuals that you're looking at, or even groups, you can never judge them by your standards today because it just doesn't apply. And if you do that, you're going to come away with some judgments that are either inaccurate or unfair. Now, when I say nepotism, all I'm talking about is you're in charge and you favor kin. And you know what? Back in these days, that was pretty much expected. I don't, I don't even really know how much of a second thought people would have given that, that concept back in these days. Now it's this grave offense, but but back then, so I'm not saying that as a negative thing for the Stuarts. So they get into power and they start giving people, their, their relatives, different positions. And so what you have is positions all over in Scotland filling up with Stuarts. I'm not even going to attempt a list of all the different titles in Scotland held by Stuarts, especially once their relatives are getting in, obtaining the throne. All right, so... So that gives us that, but that does explain certain branches of the family here. So we've got, I'm just going to go back up that family tree a little bit. So you got Robert II, his, his dad's Walter Stewart, his dad's James Stewart. His dad is Alexander Stewart. Okay, Alexander Stewart's brother was Walter Balloch. 
And it's interesting that he has this Gallic nickname. So even though the Stuarts, coming from Brittany and very closely associated with this Norman movement up into the British Isles, they, I've been surprised as I've been looking through this and studying this in preparation for this, this episode, I've been surprised at how immersed the Stuarts were in a Gallic world. And even if we look back at, at Walter Stewart, who marries Marjorie Bruce, and you're looking at, at the Bruce family. Now, they were, a, they were a product of this Norman movement. However, Robert Bruce's mother, she was from a noble Gallic background from southwest Scotland, where today we don't typically associate with a Gallic-speaking area, but back in Robert the Bruce's time, it was very Gallic-speaking, this part of southwest Scotland, down in, the, in Ayrshire and in Carrick. That, his, the Bruce's were the Earls of Carrick and, and Lords of Annandale. And so this, this part of Scotland was very Gallic-speaking at the time, and these Bruce's who settle in that area and have power there, they are in a Gallic context. And Bruce, Robert the Bruce's mother, would, her first language would probably have been Gallic, and he was probably a very fluent Gallic speaker. So, and, and for some reason, that's interesting to me. I don't know if it's interesting to you guys, what language they would have spoken. You know, we've got, go back to a mention of James Douglas and his last name being, coming from the, the Gallic for dark water or, or black water. Okay, so he's got, a, he's got a Gallic last name. That's the origin of the word, but I don't really know how much Gallic James Douglas ever spoke. I don't know. Maybe he spoke a ton of it especially if he's fleeing with Robert the Bruce after things go poorly at first, after he's crowned, and he goes back into the Highlands, and now he links up with McDonald's and Angus Ogue, who's hot, you know, but these are, these are gales that he's fleeing, in, fleeing into, and James Douglas is with him the whole way, and I just, I do wonder how much Gallic he spoke, and this, like I said, may be interesting to you, but it, or, or not, but I think it is interesting, and we come to the Stuarts, we actually see that they operated very much in a Gallic world, even though they weren't in origin. So I guess it is interesting to know where they came from, but that's not the end-all, be-all to what the identifier to these people, because a lot of them would have identified as Gales. And, we'll, and some of these branches we'll talk about more later, for sure, would be true of them. So we have, we have Walter Stewart, the first one who used the Stewart last name. He has... Alexander Stewart, and that's where this line goes down that end, ends up in royalty. But he has another son, Walter Balak, and I can't remember what Balak meant, the, the Gallic term for it. I did read uh, read up on him a little bit. But it's from this Walter that the Earls of Menteith, that's where they come from. <clears throat> now they don't, this, the, the Earls of Menteith, that, the, the, you don't really have a Stuart of Menteith branch of the clan, because if not, not very many generations, I can't remember how many, but the Grahams end up obtaining that earldom and you do end up with a branch of the grams that are the grams of menteith so and i hope i'm pronouncing that that right a lot of these words i've only seen them read i've never actually heard them pronounced so you have that becomes the menteith title it gets associated with the grams and so you have that that branch all right we're not going to focus too much on that we're going to keep on going down another i want to mention another branch of the stewarts that branches off before the stewarts become royalty and this gentleman that i'm going to mention next he ends up being kind of a big deal because you get a lot of you get a lot of branches of the stewart clan that come out of him so where we're going now is so you've got walter stewart that married marjorie bruce 
His father's James Stewart. His father's his father is Alexander Stewart. So Alexander Stewart has James Stewart, who the line goes through to become the king, but then he has another son who is John of Bonkill. So that's B-O-N-K-Y-L-L is one of the spellings. And you all know anybody who's done some really getting in their research on history knows that the farther back you go, the more crazy spelling becomes. And I don't know if crazy is the right word because sometimes it's actually much more phonetic than our spellings are today. So you have John of Bonkill. So he has a few different sons. The son number one is Alexander. And from this Alexander, they obtain the earldom of Angus. But once again, we don't associate Stuarts with the earldom of Angus because it wasn't very much longer that this line passes by marriage to the Douglas who becomes, the this branch of the Douglas clan becomes the, the earls of Angus. In other words, you have black Douglases and red Douglases. The, the earls of Angus are the red Douglases. So you have that branch. They, they, marry, they get that by, from marriage from the Stuart earls of Douglas. Another son is Alan of Dreghorn, and I don't have much to go back on with him. Uh, the fourth son, and I'm, I know I'm skipping a son, and I don't really know where that, but this fourth son's important to me because from him we have several branches of the Stuart family. So you've got, once again, you've got this John Bonkill. His fourth son is James of Pearston, and I've sp seen Pearston spelled both P-E-R-S-T-O-N and P-E-A-R-S-T-O-N. Both ways. Once again, it's not set in stone how they did this. And from, from, from James of Pariston, we get a lot of Stuarts that became prominent. We get the Lords of Lorne. We have the Earls of Athol, the Earls of Buchan, Earls of Truckware. And from those Lorne Appins, we get from the Lorne Stuarts, we get the Stuarts of Appin. And also Henry Lord Darnley claims, claims his descent Remember, he was the one who married his, I don't know, I can't remember how close they were, but Mary Queen of Scots, and some people didn't like him, and they murdered him. So, anyway, this. So let's talk a little bit about these different branches independently. of. Let me, have I, well, let me just give you one more, one more branch of the clan, how they come out. So you have Robert II obtains the throne of Scotland, and he's got a bunch of sons. Um, you have John, who becomes changes his name to Robert as Robert III, King of Scotland. But you also have Walter, who becomes Earl of Athol, David, the Earl of Strathairn. You have Alexander, Alexander Stuart, the Earl of Buchan. Now, this gentleman, you might want to just, I'm going to pause just for a second here and take a little bit of note on him. Alexander, the Earl of Buchan. So, once again, it looks like, from what I've been able to find, he's the fourth son of King Robert II. Alexander becomes known as the Wolf of Badenoch. This gentleman came to control large portions of the north of Scotland. In fact, a lot of the, his territory that he obtains were, are, are territories that were previously controlled by the Cummins. And I've discussed a lot about the Cummins and what happened to them in, in the past previous few episodes. And that's, that's really easy history to find out, so I'll let you go back and look that up. I'm not going to talk too much about it here, so I can talk more about the Stuarts. But I'm just going to say that Alexander, the wolf of Badenoch, he obtains a lot of those former common lands. He's a very powerful man, and he has 
when we talk about the Stuart involvement in the Gallic world, his his crew that he runs around with, his warriors, are mostly Highland Gallic speaking warriors. And they call them Catarans. And maybe that's worthy of a whole other episode, the the Catarans, but and where that word comes from and what it means and what they did. But in this case, it's Alexander Stewart's men that, that fought with him and pretty much did whatever. He was kind of notorious. He did a lot of stuff. He was known for being ruthless. That's why they call him the wolf. And his kind of most infamous thing is he burned down... Okay, bear with me. Elgin? Is it Elgin or Elgin? Elgin? I'm going to go with Elgin. You guys can correct me in my Facebook page or on the Podbean app or wherever you want. But Elgin Cathedral, he burned it to the ground. I mean, he just, he laid waste to that area. Kind of like he did. Like he did. That was kind of what he was known for doing. That's how you get a, that's how you get a nickname like Wolf. So there you have him. All right, now, but from his brother, who is another Robert, which I think he was born with the name Robert. You have the brother that was John that changed his name to Robert to be Robert III, King of Scotland. But you have the other Robert, the Duke, who becomes the Duke of Albany. Albany is kind of this vague term that means Scotland, the eastern half of Scotland, north of the Firth of Forth. So remember in my previous, I know some of you are thinking, ah, Clint, I don't know. I don't have the map of Scotland memorized. If you take, take Scotland, it's almost like a, a person. The waist, a really skinny waist, would be the Firth of Forth coming in from the east and the Firth of Clyde coming in from the west. So that forms your skinny little waist. And then you have shoulders. So you have the bucking would, as you're, as you're looking at Scotland on a map, the northeast shoulder would be bucking. And then, it, then you have the, Murray, the Murray Firth. And then you have, above that, you have Caithness and Sutherland. And Anyway, so Albany was kind of just Scotland north of that waste on the, the eastern half of it. So Duke of Albany. And, and the, the Albany, we, call, we say the Albany Stuarts. I'm just going to mention this right here and, and kind of get it out of the way. The Albany Stuarts, we, that kind of sounds like a branch of the clan, but what it really is is the title Duke of Albany that's conferred upon successive people, but then the, they either run out of male heirs or they get it taken away or killed or something, and it never really establishes that the people who hold that title are very powerful in Scotland. However, it never turns into a branch. As far as I understand, it never turns into an actual branch of the clan and becomes its own kindred. So it's just a title that several different Stuarts hold. Now, but this first Stuart who obtains that title, Robert, Duke of Albany, he has a son named Murdoch. Okay, so I'm going to go down a few descendants of Murdoch, and then it comes out of one of the branches of the clan. So you have Murdoch, then you have James Moore, who for one reason or another has to flee to Ireland and is not welcome back. Different, different story, but he, so he never comes back to Scotland, just lives out the rest of his days in Ireland. But it's interesting, James Moore, which is Gaelic for great, so we, once again, we see the Stuarts involved in this Gaelic context, context cultural context, with these, with these Gaelic nicknames. So, you got James Moore, which I don't know if that was because he was a big statured man, or just grossly overweight, I don't, I don't know, but there you have it. Then you have James Begg, which is another Gallic, um, another Gallic nickname. Now, more can also mean great, and it's not talking about physical. It's just talking about uh, a great man. He was a great man. He did some great things. 
Or if you have a father and son who have the same first name, it can be a designator of which one's the older and which one's the younger, which seems likely in this case. So James Moore, and I don't know, maybe we have three of the different ways to use the word more are accurate. I don't know. But um, like I said, I, I haven't made this a really thorough academic study. Just have some things I want to line out for you. So James Moore, he lives out the rest of his days in Ireland. His son, James Begg, which can mean James Jr., or it can mean James because he was little. <clears throat> Pardon me. Little James. So James Begg returns to Scotland. He begets William Stuart of Baldoran. Now, this William, this Stuart, he begets the one of the three Highland branches of the Stuart clan. So when we talk about the Stuart's Highland or the Stuart's Lowland clan, well, they have significant branches of the kindred in in both locations. So you might just call it a Scottish clan. And when we, is it Highland or Lowland? Well, that depends on which branch you're talking about. So from William of Baldoran comes the Stuarts of Balquitter. And we'll talk, we'll give you more details on them in a second. So I think I've covered um, the kind of how these all branch off and the, the main origins of these different people. Okay, back to my notes on the different branches. So I've talked about the Albanese, not really a clan title that's usually given to younger sons of the Scottish king. All right, let's talk, let's start off with Galloway. I've mentioned the region Galloway before, right? I was saying it was a used to be a Gaelic-speaking part of Scotland. Even actually clear up into the 1600s, it was a Gaelic-speaking part of Scotland. Um, less and less so as time comes on, but there were still Gaelic speakers there in the 1600s. So this line, though, uh, the Stuarts, I'm not going to talk a ton about it. it be, it's The reason I'm mentioning it now is because this is recognized as the senior line of the Stuarts at this time. Now, remember that guy I told you about, John Stuart of Bonkill? Yeah, that's where these people have their origin. But the actual Galloway-Stuart line doesn't come about until 1623. Um, not much information. Once again, I think I'm pulling most of this stuff off of the Clan Stuart Society in America. Not a lot of stuff about what they did as a clan. And so, and 1623 is kind of late in the game for the formation of a branch that actually turns into its own clan, as, as far as a, the historical context goes. I did look on the Wikipedia article, which I looked, a lot of times I'll use that, like I've said before, I'll go down the references and try to find what sources they're using. And it just only had stuff on peerage and heraldry stuff, which I'm sure has some valuable information, but there wasn't a lot there on. I mean, when you compare it to Dr. McGregor, Martin McGregor's work on his PhD thesis on the clan McGregor and how, like nothing like that, where we're just going to outline the history of this kindred and we're going to go into deep detail or, or uh, Anis McKinnick, uh, his Professor McKinnick's stuff on on the McKenzie's. He's done some awesome things there. I kind of use those guys as the, or Alison Cathcart, her, she's done some awesome stuff on the Macintoshes and the Clan Hatton. So nothing like that that I've been able to find, especially not about the Galloway branch. Now, <clears throat> so that's that's really all about all I got to say, say about the Galloway branch of the Stuarts. And so if you, that's your line and you're like, wow, you just completely missed the ball on that. I'm sorry. If you got a source that I can read up on, I and I can correct myself, I might even do some more reading before the next episode and maybe make a couple of, spend a minute or two on maybe adding a little bit for the Galloway branch. The other branch that I'm going to go to next, this is the Stuart, uh, not sorry, all of them are Stuarts, the Butte, the Stuarts of Butte. 
So this line descends directly from Robert II, who gave his younger son, John, the islands of Butte, Aran, and Cumbrae. And he became, the, he, he and his descendants were the sheriffs over this, this land there. And as the center of their power in that area, they held Rothesey Castle. And I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that perfectly, and I'm probably not. Rothsey Castle on, on the Isle of Butte. That was their main stronghold. They did hold Brodick Castle on the Isle of Arran for a while, but that actually becomes more associated later on with the Hamilton kindred who who come to possess through marriage the the Isle of Arran. And so that's that's more associated with them. So we want to think about Rothsey as the the Rothsey Castle as the kind of the power seat for this branch of the Stuarts. It's interesting, this branch of the Stuarts, they, they're the ones who change their no, I would, I'm going to say that wrong. They spell their name S-T-U-A-R-T or tend to. They weren't the first ones to do that. Where they got that from was their kinswoman, Mary, Queen of Scots, who was coming from France and had her own way of she wanted to spell the, the name. And because she's the queen, some people think this is quite the cool thing to do. And so they, so this particular branch of the Stuarts, they, they, that's the direction they go with the spelling of the name. All right, I already said about the castle. This now, this, the thing that's interesting about this branch of the Stuart clan is that the the lands that they're holding here. If you go back to the land holding before the Scottish War of Independence, before Robert the Bruce is making his bid for the throne against John Cummin and the Balliols and all of that that whole conflict. If you go back and look at land holdings before this, which I've done a little studying on this. The territory that this branch of the Stuarts hold is actually where you see the Stuarts holding land before Robert the Bruce, and that whole thing kicks off. So that's interesting. This might be able to be considered the original territory of the Stuarts. So I, I just think that's interesting. They're not the senior line of the Stuarts, but you know the, the, the main line, the senior line, they've got the crown. But this is this looks to be like the kind of the home country in Scotland for the Stuarts. Anyway, that's all I have to say about the Stuarts of Butte. Now, let's move on to the Stuarts of Balquitter. Remember, these Stuarts trace their line back into the Dukes of Albany. You have, once again, William William Stuart of Baldoran, and then his dad was James Begg, or Little James, or James Jr. Mary, he, son of James Moore, who's a son of Murdoch, the Duke of Albany. All right, so James... Beg, when he comes back from Ireland, which his father wasn't about to do, he comes back from Ireland, he marries Annabelle Buchanan, who's the daughter of the Buchanan chief. And he, this, and so his son, William Stewart of Baldoran, he obtains land in, on the southern shore, shore of Loch Erne. And they establish a house there. And from this location, we... It becomes, this is kind of the, the center for this branch, the, for the Stuarts of Balquitter. They become, they establish themselves in this, it's kind of funny, in a couple different sources I saw, and one might just be quoting the other one, but it talks about this being a fairly lawless part of the Highlands. Now, I have done some studying on this part of the Highlands, and I, independent of anything I've read on this, this was kind of a lawless part of Scotland. There's a lot of major clans right in this area, and they're all competing with each other, and raids were common. And from what I understand, and I was able, actually, to find 
a website that gives me a little more information, I'm looking at highlandstrathairn.com. And there's a lot more on this page. So this is probably the best source that I've found so far. It's got a lot of really cool stuff, and it's got a pretty big chunk on... Well, they've got... So it's not about the Stuarts, this website. It's not about the Stuarts specifically. It's about... They have a chunk on here that's where you can click on different clans that were prominent in this vicinity. And and you can kind of see the... the social context that the Stuarts of Balquitter existed in here. They had a lot of powerful neighbors. So if you look at the, the uh, Strathairn comes out of, it comes from the kind of that area where it's like the heartland of Scotland. The, I would, I would say you have the River Tay that comes up and then branch, anyway, I'm not going to go too deep into the geography, but the rivers that, f- that are flowing f- into the east coast of Scotland, this is a major river valley. And this is a this is an important part of Scotland, and eventually it comes out of the lowlands, and this river goes up into the highlands. You have Loch Erne, so it's, I would say it's like if Scotland was a person, like I used the analogy before, this would be the belly button. So you have some of the other clans that were prominent in this area. You had so the the Glenorchy Campbells had extended down into this area with really using the McGregors as their spear, the tip of their spear. The McGregors would move into an area occupied by force, and once they'd established themselves in an area, nobody could get them out. The Camels were never usually far behind, and in this way, the McGregors and the Camels, believe it or not, once upon a time, worked in tandem. So, <clears throat> you have this, the Glenorchy Camels that extend down into this area, they branch off. They eventually become the Earls of Albin. but they have a lot of branches of, the, of this branch of the camels that become established in this area. You also have, well, I got an actual map here. Let me click on my map that'll tell you all the different people in this area. So around the Stewarts of Balquitter, on the southern shore of Loch Erin, just a few miles to the west, you have the McLarens. Just a few miles over the hills to the north, you have the McNabs. And if you follow the River Erin, out of the loch, and you're following it downstream, you pass right by Drummond Castle, so you, there you have the Drummonds, which, who intermarry with this branch of the Stuarts, and if you're going down a little farther, you have the Murrays of Tullerberdine, you have the, uh, to the north of there, you have, was it the, uh, was it the Murrays of Octretire? Anyway, you have, all over this area, you have, these are some of the, their neighbors that they have. Anyway, I think it's maybe interesting to learn about the neighbors. And that's also going to be important with these other branches of the clan, especially these Highland branches that I'm getting into now. Now, keep in mind, the Highland branches of the Stuarts include the Stuarts of Balquitter that we've just been discussing, also the Stuarts of Athol, and the Stuarts of Appin. All right, and with that, let's let's keep on going. So they, well, what I should say with that, the social context there of the Stuarts of Balquitter on this, at, based out of Ardvorlich, they, this this branch, they completely, just like you, if you've ever studied the history of Ireland, you learn about the Normans coming in there and becoming completely Gaelicized, where the it's making the crown back in England and London nervous that their minions here are just completely embracing Gaelic culture there. The, the same thing happens with the Stuarts here. They become, they adopt all things that are associated with Highlands. I'm pretty confident they speak Gaelic because this was a Gaelic-speaking part of Scotland. And a lot of the Highland practices, such as cattle lifting. 
or in other words, cattle rustling, if you're from my part of the United States, they, uh, they get into that trade that was so common and popular at this time in this place. I also want, might want to mention that the border Scots, they were pretty good at it too. Only they usually did it mounted on horseback, which makes them look a lot like some of the wilder parts of the Old West where that used to happen. Anyway, I digress. Let's, oh, and some of the different branches of this branch of the Stuarts, you have the, so the Ardvorlich, which is where they established themselves. That's the senior branch. Then you have... Uh, other other branches include the the of the Stuarts of Glen Bucky, Gartnafuran, and Annat. Pretty sure I nailed all those pronunciations. Let's move on to the Stuarts of Balquitter, or not the Stuarts of Athol. The Stuarts of Athol. They, for, to quote the Clan Stuart Society in America, were one of the most prolific areas. This is one of the most prolific areas of Stuart settlement. Their stronghold was Garth Castle. Now, it does the the Stuart website that I just mentioned? It says that the their main castle was Blair Castle. Garth Castle was built. You may have mentioned earlier the Wolf of Badenoch, Alexander Stuart, one of the sons of the King Robert II. He built. He that's what the that's what it says. He built Garth Castle when he settled. Oh no, his son. Sorry, his son James built Garth Castle when he settled there in the area in 1390. Okay, so that's where we see the this branch of the Stuarts established in, in the part of Scotland known as Athol, which is kind of, you might describe that as Central Highlands. All right, the Garth Castle. I talked about the neighbors of the Stuarts of Balquitter. The Stuarts of Athol have a lot of significant and close neighbors. So just a few miles to the east, you have the you have Castle Menzies, which would have been the Menzies of Weem. That's where they were based out of. Now, <clears throat> now I mentioned the McNabs being just north of the Stuarts of Balquitter over the hills. The McNabs were on the very far the western end of Loch Tay. Now, the, a branch of the Campbells become ex- established there as well. Now, if you follow Loch Tay, it kind of looks like a, a stretched out S. If you follow it up to the other end, to the northeast end of it, now you're right in the vicinity of Gar- Garth Castle, just straight north of the north end of Loch Tay. And so the Menzies are just to the northeast of that. Now from this part, this northern end of Loch Tay, you have a valley, a little strath, that cuts cuts west. It almost runs straight west into the mountains there. And this is, this this part of of the highlands, this, this glen, they call it Glen Lyon. And so you have different clans that are settled here. A branch of the McGregors from, let's go back over here. The, the McGregors originally coming out of Glen Stray. That was, that was the name of that Glen. I couldn't remember it for a second. Glen Stray. That's where kind of the McGregors were based out of, but they have a branch that comes over to, so we're, Glen Stray is southwest slightly and and yeah, southwest of where we're talking about. So they have a branch of them that pushes farther northeast around this area that we're talking about in this Glen Glen Lyon, and they become established in there. So you have McGregor's close to you, to the west. You have Menzies to the straight east. You have, if you've just followed Loch Tay all the way down to this to the south, southwestern end of it, you have the McNabs. Then to the north, you have Clan Dunahy also known as the Robertsons of Struan. So there's, that's kind of what we're dealing with in the neighborhood of, 
of the Stuarts of Athol. The Stuarts of Athol, the Earldom of Athol, I should say, was held by several royal Stuarts, but both the Wikipedia article and the Clan Stuart Society in America give the Wolf of Badenoch the credit for founding this clan. So, like I said earlier, his son James built Garth Castle, so this group comes out of him. So th this is a group that descends, does descend from the royal Stuarts comes right out of there. Uh, earlier Stuarts may have held the title Earl of Athol, but this is the this is the group, this descent, are the ones who actually set up shop here and become a clan in this area. Now the title Earl of Athol ends up going in the 1600s to the Murrays of Tullibardine. So I mentioned them as somewhat close neighbors to the Stuarts of Balquitter or Father South. That The Murrays get that title, so you have the Murray Earls of Athol. But the this branch, hold it for a little while anyway. These, this is the group that actually are a, a kindred there. Um, what else do I want to say about the Athol Stuarts? Not much. That just that there you have a little bit on them. Now the last group of Stuarts I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to wrap this up. And holy cow, have I gone over my time? Oh my goodness. Well, I hope you've been enjoying it, and you're just like, man, this guy rambles on and on and on. How far am I? 45 minutes into this episode. Man, i got to take that into account when I'm talking about future branches. Well, the last branch that I, of the Stuarts that I'm going to discuss here are a branch that I've actually told stories about on this podcast before. So if you want to look back at, let me give you the actual episode number here. It's episode 8, the Appen Stuarts versus the rest of Argyle. Now, it wasn't every clan in Argyle, that, but it seemed like, there's a bunch that teamed up against them. Now, we, I will point out that the McLarens, they seem to be in pretty tight with the Stuart Appens, the, the Appen Stuarts. Sorry, got that backwards. So they do have an ally in this area, but the, the opponents of them are led by the McDougals. I won't go into that story. It's like a really cool story, and I encourage you to go back and, and listen to episode 8 if you haven't done so. If you have started into this podcast in subsequent episodes and haven't made it back to there, it's a cool story. But if you want to get into and I talk about a little bit more of the background on this group, let me just mention that the Appen Stewarts, they descend from James of Pairston, the fourth son of John of Bonkill, like I mentioned earlier. James of Pairston was the grandfather of John Stuart of Intermeath, who married Isabel MacDougall, daughter of Yoin Galda MacDougall. And that's kind of an interesting story right there that I, I think I will indulge myself in. Okay, so James Stu John Stuart of Intermeath. He marries this MacDougall lady by the name of Isabel. Okay, this is how her father, Yoin Galda MacDougall, doesn't have any heirs to pass on the title to. Yoin Galda MacDougall comes from, his father was Alan of Lorne, whose father was, was it John or Yoin? That, I'm using both the English and the Gallic version of that name, Yoin. Yoin. Um, th this, this, group of McDougals, these are the ones that are that took the wrong side, and by wrong I mean losing, not wrong and less legitimate or anything like that. They took the losing side with the Cummins against Robert Bruce and they paid for it and they lost big. And the this McDougal who was the Lord of Argyle, he was huge. This is the senior branch of the the 
Summerlid clans. You know, you have the McRory's, McDougal's, and McDonald's. The McDougal's were the senior line, but they because of the side that they picked in this battle and they lost out, they've got to get the heck out of town. So they this Lord of Argyle, the this McDougal, goes down in and settles in England. That's where he dies, is in England. His his son is raised in Alan McDougal of Lorne, is raised in in uh England, his son, Yoin Galda MacDougall, and see this Galda, that the root word here is Gal, Gal means foreigner, right? We've talked about Galloway and the Gal Gales and the Gal, that's, whenever you see that, the Fingal, the Dugal, Vikings, anyway, this means foreigner, so Yoin Galda MacDougall was raised in England, and sometimes I've read also that that name, that this Gal or Galda epithet was also given to people who they were Gales. They just they just also spoke a lowland. They were maybe one of the few people in the area that could speak Scots or English, if you want to be picky about the difference between the two. Anyway, they could speak these lowland languages, and so that's make them stand out. But this guy gets the nickname because he actually is coming from England, where his family had to take refuge in the wake of the Scottish Wars of Independence. So he comes back. He does get some land back because he, he makes good with the the King of Scotland. That's actually, a, we could go into deeper detail, but I'm really trying to not take all night with this. Um, well, I guess it might not be night when you listen to this, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Anyway, he comes back. He gets, he gets, he regains some of the McDougal territory. Not all of it, not even close to all of it that they had before, but they've got their, their foot, the foothold back in somewhere in the vicinity, but they're not. They they are they are of Lorne for a while, but now John Stewart of Interneath Intermeath marries Yoin Galda's daughter Isabel, and he, that's there's no other male heir, and so the that's how we see the Stuarts become the lords of Lorne here, and now they're not the lords of Lorne forever, and they they get reduced in power a little bit, but they're still they still hold a territory up there, and this is the Stuarts of Appin, so. Branches of this kindred include Ardshiel, Achnacone, Fasnacloich, Invernahyle, and Strathgarry. Once again, pretty sure I nailed all of those really Gallic place names. Or I didn't. I don't know. So this group, they, they once again, like their other branches that settled in the highlands, these people become indistinguishable from their neighbors. This group becomes thoroughly Gallic. And so even if, and they might have been pretty Gallic before they came in here. Once again, we're seeing that the not it didn't take the stewards very long to get pretty involved in this Gallic cultural context in Scotland. But I just make the, the differentiation because not all of Scotland was exactly the same, that same way. But if they weren't before they settled in Appen, they were within not very long time. This They become a clan. If you were to go up there in the 1500s into this part of Scotland, so we're on the west coast. We're by the Isle of Lismore. We're not very far away from the Isle of Mull, just right across the, the water from the Isle of Mull. Uh, well, slightly up the coast to the northeast, but very close anyway. We're, we're in this, this is a very Gallic, I mean, probably up until really recent times, this is a Gallic part of Scotland. And for all I know, there might still be some native Gallic speakers in this area. If you were to go back in the 1500s into this part of Scotland and visit the Stuarts of Appen, you probably would not be able to distinguish them by looks, by speech, by customs, anything from their native Gallic 
neighbors who are descended from the original inhabitants of this area. You would never know that they ever had any other origin aside from Gallic. J- just if you were just to interact with the main members of the clan. Now, the the chiefs, I don't know. <clears throat> now, yeah, that's that's about all I got to say about that. Just the, the, once again, it might not be interesting to you, but the cultural context is interesting to me. I've got to wrap this up. My wife's going to be where in the heck have you been? Oh, sorry, hun, I've been doing this. Yeah, well, you better start monetizing that and bringing some money in with it or I'm not going to stand for so much time away, which I get it. She's had the kids and she's just awesome and she does so much for my family. I'm so grateful for her and if I just need to be careful about how I run off of my personal time, a very small price to pay for how good of a woman she is. So I'm going to wrap this up. Um, I hope I hope this has helped. I hope it's kind of put these floating pieces and actually connected them to each other and helped you understand how they relate to each other, where they branched off, where they settled, all of that stuff. Oh, you know what? One more note on the App and Stewart's neighbors. Well, you got the McDougals just to the south of them that they displaced in that area. Through marriage, it wasn't violently pushing them out, but the McDougals did hold a grudge, which you will find out about if you listen to episode eight. Not very far up the coast here, you have McDonald of Glencoe, that famous branch the, that suffers from the massacre. Right across, right across the water, and slightly to the southwest, you have Duart Castle, which was the seat of the chiefs of the Macleans. What else do we have in this neighborhood? There's a lot of McDonald's around this area. Just to the out to the to the west of where I've been talking about. Well, I didn't mention what their principal seat was. It's Castle Stalker. There in the, it looks like it's kind of sitting out in the water. If you ever seen a picture of it, that's their principal seat in that area. And just like if you cross Loch Lynn or Loch Linnia, I don't know. Keep on going west. You get the Ardnamurchan Peninsula, and you get the McKeans of Ardnamurchan out there. And straight straight north of that, you get a, a seat of the Clan Ronald, which is a branch of the McDonalds. Anyway, quite the exciting place to live if you study the history of that area. Lots going on. Maybe a couple other areas. Who are these guys? Well, not very far to the southeast. You get the McGregors of Glenstray that I've already mentioned. The Campbell seat of Glenorchy and their famous Kilkern Castle. Very scenic are the ruins of that today. And the McOrkadales. So there's there's our nearest neighbors. I hope that's been informative for you. I hope you've liked that. And so look, let me just put my little wrapping up plug that I usually do. I know that there is probably some flaws in this or not I don't know if like gross inaccuracies but maybe some other things that would have been cool if I had included and if I had had another month to study on this don't worry but you would have had a lot longer podcast and you've already had a longer one than usual so if you want to continue the conversation though this is a the stewards you, know, you can't overstate how big of a deal they were especially since they held the throne but then you have these other branches of them spreading out becoming clans in their own right if you want to continue the conversation Go to, go to facebook.com forward slash clans of Scotland where you will find the Scottish clans Facebook page. I'll have a link posted on here on the, uh, on the, on the Facebook page. It'll, the link will take you to the Podbean, either website or app, depending on what kind of device you're using. And there you have an also an opportunity, which some of you have done recently. And one of these days, I ought to just read down through the different comments. People have left some really cool comments. And if you're one of them, I sure appreciate the your involvement there. If you're not one of them, please go on there. Leave me a rating. Like the episode. Give me some comments for review. 
say, hey, yeah, I appreciate you bringing this up. I'm a, from a Stuart background. You know, another thing you want, want to mention is this really cool thing about this branch of the Stuarts and something that people should know. So if I didn't include something you feel like people should know about them, you can do it on the Facebook page. You can do it on the Podbean app. Also, I've been listening to this. I listen to a ton of different podcasts, and one of them is the Icon Athlete podcast by by Chris Chris Spieler and his friend Doug. I haven't dug into that and found out what Doug's last name is. First of all, it's a CrossFit podcast. So I know some of you just rolled your eyes. Don't roll your eyes. Don't be haters. It's worked really well for me. That's why I've stuck with it. Get off my back. So I listen to their, their – they're funny. They're funny. I've been listening to them while I've been working out, and I'm trying to hold a handstand with my feet propped up because I can't just hold a free handstand. And I'm supposed to hold it for a minute or however long I'm trying to do this. And they're cracking jokes, and I'm trying to hold a handstand. And if I'm holding it for 60 seconds, and I'm at four, second 45, and my muscles are starting to get tired, and now they're cracking a joke, and they are funny. Anyway, and then I'm my can't hold – anyway, trying to hold – it creates a scene. You'd probably think it was funny. I haven't fell on my head and hurt myself yet, so I guess I can still think it's funny. But what, the reason I bring up that podcast, the Icon Athlete podcast, is because they run their podcast mostly off of comments from reviews. So I would invite you, if you're listening to it on iTunes, which Podbean tells me that the vast majority of you are listening to it on the iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app, I should say. You go on there and leave me a review, leave me a review and some comments on there. I'd love to go on there and read through what you have to say. You can rate me five stars, preferably, but you know, be honest, and and leave me some comments on there too. So we've got the, the iTunes or the Apple Podcast. We've got the Podbean. We've got the Facebook. I don't know if you can think of another format that I should be paying attention to. Please let me know. I'd love to hear your comments. I'd love to continue the conversation. I've had some very fulfilling exchanges with people up to this point too. Some of you really know your stuff. And when you make these comments and you continue this conversation, it is very educational for me and I sure appreciate it. Anyway, thanks for being with me tonight, guys. Like I said, I got to get home to that good woman. So join me next time. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do next time, but it'll be good. I promise. Talk to you later.